and I say young, he's in his 40s, selling him on the idea that, yeah, my values are aligned with yours. Don't worry, we're going to do great stuff together. But as soon as they started the business, the bullying started. And I see it on a corporate level. I see people literally pandering to someone else purely because they're afraid to walk away from the income or they're afraid to say no to somebody or they don't you know they don't want to seem to be a failure but the truth is if you're not aligned with somebody else it's not a failure to walk away you have to be aligned with yourself your core values you want the business to grow in a way that contributes for the greater good of the world and yourself and the people around you and if it's not doing that walk away hello this is dr Rowe, and you're listening to the growth tribes podcast with dr Rowe and harms This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hi, it's Harms here and welcome to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. And today we're going to be answering the question, how to choose the right business partner. But before we get into it, here's a quick message from Dr. Rowe himself. Hello and greetings, it's Dr. Rowe here. Now before we start the podcast, I'd like to invite you to join me on an incredible three-day event called Communicating with Impact. If you're wondering who this might be for, probably the best way to describe it is to ask you the question, are you a parent wanting to communicate more effectively with your children? Do you run a business and you want to attract more money into your business, more clients, increase your sales in your business? It might be that you're in a career and you want to climb the corporate ladder, be more effective as a communicator, get to senior levels, be able to ask for pay rises. It might be that you want to be a professional speaker, want to increase your skills on a stage, or possibly you're a coach. You might run a network marketing business and you want to attract more people into your business. You actually may be a property investor wanting to attract more money from angel investors. In fact, if you're listening to this right now and you have any desire to improve your relationships with people on an intimate level, personal level, professional level, or you want to simply increase your business, your turnover and your ability to impact people more effectively, then I do encourage you to join me because I've spent 30 years in front of hundreds of thousands of people and I've developed a system of 38 components which anyone can operate with, anyone can apply no matter what your background. It is a passionate, inspirational, motivational and information packed event where you learn how to engage people, how to grab their attention, how to get a message across quickly in any situation, whether it's one person or 10,000 people. So what do you do next? Go to www.drrow.tv forward slash CWI. Go have a look at the booking page there. Find out more about it and then get yourself registered and come and join myself and Harminda at the next CWI event. Dr. Rowe signing out. Amazing. So back to the question, 
how to choose the right business partner. And I just want to put this into context for you listening at home now. This also applies to finding a team, being a part of a team, you know, choosing the right boss to work for, choosing the right employees to a certain extent. You know, you may be a co-manager on a project. How do you choose the right co-manager? You might be, you know, working with a larger organization and consulting your services for them for a long contracted period. How do you find the right organization? And even clients, you know, for my personal business, we take on clients and how choose the right client as well as the client choosing the right provider and the right service provider. So I want you to think of these items as well when thinking about the broad topic on how to choose the right business partner. A lot of the things we may talk about today will certainly apply to that particular question. And the reason I feel this question is important is, before I bring Ro onto the mic, is I've heard you, Ro, speak to your live audiences about how important this is when finding the right business partner, choosing the right business partner, the process to go through in order to choose the right business partner. It's more than just getting really excited about something and then just hooking up as business partners. Because is it fair to say you're gonna spend a lot of time with this person or people? You know, your reputation is now tied and ultimately you need to stack the odds in your favor of getting it right. Because it's gonna massively impact whatever it is you are coming together to do, whether it's a property business, network marketing business, whatever that is, we want the outcome to be good. So hi, Ro. That's the question. That's the introduction. <laughs> Thank you, Harms. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening again to the Grow Tribes podcast today. And what a great subject. Yes, this is one that we needed to bring into the mix. And I think you're spot on. It isn't just about, although we've titled it Choosing the Right Business Partner, you might be listening to this and you, you know, you're going into a job interview in the next couple of weeks or even in the next few days. It could be that you're going to meet with a potential joint venture partner. It's really anybody that you are going to professionally engage with and be involved with. You know, the question is, are we going to spend a lot of time together? 100 percent. If it's a job, a lot of time with your boss, your peers. If it's a business partner, without a doubt, there's going to be a lot of spent time spent there. Joint venture partners. Yes, maybe not as much time as you might do, for example, in a job. But it could even be working with people who are going to be angel investors with your business. I mean, there's so many different ways you can work with people. And my experience over the years has been if you get that wrong, oh, my gosh it can lead to a catastrophe. It can really mess you up on an emotional level, a financial level, a business level, and it can leave long-term scars. And I know that from my own experience because you then live in regret. You wish you'd done something differently. Why didn't I know this stuff before? So I kind of want to come to the table today with my own personal experiences of being in business now in terms of I first became officially self-employed as a consultant in 19... 98. So that's over 20 something years ago from when we're recording this. But my very first business that I actually embarked on, I was in my early 20s, which is some 30 years ago. And I even took lessons from that because some of the mistakes that I made over the years, I still hadn't learned from in the early days. So we'll see if we can tackle that today in our podcast, Harms. Fantastic. And one of the things you said there is, you know, it can be catastrophic. The experience can be <laughs> catastrophic when it does go wrong. And, you know, this could be immediately, this could be five years down the line, 10 years down the line, I imagine. But why is it that people continuously fall into the trap of choosing, I guess, the wrong business partner 
and then it ends up leading to a catastrophe. What what is causing that issue in the start? What's the what's something we can pinpoint and say that's one of the things causing this right at the start? Any ideas on that? At the start, I think the key thing here is that we get very, very excited about this new opportunity or this new job that I'm going into. Classic example. Yeah, I've seen this with people who have pursued a career and they've gone into that job and then within six to 12 months, they're really unhappy. So they go off and they find another job in the same field and they repeat the pattern again. And I've ended up having to coach them. And when we drill down into it, there's a common pattern. And that is that they have pursued two things, primarily money. It was a better job in the sense that it had more financial rewards, but also their egos were being stroked. It was a new title. Oh, I'm getting a new title in the new job. I'm going to be more senior. So it is a blinkered approach. And what I want to hopefully get across from my own personal message, but I want to reflect it back on you because I know there's a 20 year gap between the two of us. And, you know, there's people listening to this who might be millennials, but there may be other people listening to this that are 10 years older than me. And some of people listening to this might be in their 20s, early 20s. The reality is that this applies at any age and the mistakes can be made fundamentally because of the same thing. We go for the shiny coin. We go for the shiny thing that's in front of us. And often that thing is normally linked with something that's beneficial to us on a financial level. And the other thing is it's beneficial to us on an ego level. And I guess the third thing is we get very excited about the very fact that as human beings, we like to do new things. And that's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is basically, you know, we all want security, but we also want to have the opportunity to grow and to experience new things. Tony Robbins has for many years talked about variety versus certainty. It's the same thing as the Maslow model. People like something new. So being offered a new job with a better salary, new opportunities, and by the way, you're going to get a different title. Great. And we go straight for that. It's only after we're in the job we realize, hold on a minute, it doesn't quite fit. Me, this jigsaw piece doesn't fit into this jigsaw, but it looked nice on the outside, but I don't fit in here. Why don't I fit in here? And that's what we're going to address today. I get that. I get that. And I think, you know, you mentioned my generation. We would feel that more possibly versus your generation, because, you know, naturally, if I was teaming up with somebody, I would say, look, we've got we've got more time. And this is probably an unconscious thing that we've got more time to experiment with this, maybe get it wrong. Or the flip side is, which is we're quite naive to the business world in its entirety. You know, the legalities behind things, the idea that actually once you start a business, and I, I learned this the hard way, it is freaking hard. It is tough. You know, there's startup entrepreneurs who give up everything and they will all just live in a flat together to build something. You know, if you're teaming up with somebody with a business idea, that's who you're competing with. You're competing with people who are potentially perfectly in sync. They've given up everything for the next 10 years. They're living in a flat. They're eating ramen noodles on a daily basis just to get this business started. And, and you know, being in the world I am, well, I do often get to see these and interact with these people. Yeah. And I think they're amazing people. They've got a passion. They've got a dream but they've got their business network right. Whereas I see somebody else maybe, and they're very excited. Let's take property, for example. You know, we come across many property investors and say somebody's got their deal and they are just so excited about getting this deal over the line that they will do a joint venture with anybody who's got money. And that's almost like, whoa, alarm bells, because behind the money is also a person. So yes, you tick the money box by funding your deal, but ultimately, the business partnership is between two people. The money is just one of the factors involved there. So I think when the pressure mo- comes on and there's money involved, 
that person that's lent you the money, if you don't know enough about them, how they react to that pressure will be magnified by the very fact they've lent you money. So that becomes a whole different experience altogether. It was nice yeah. at the beginning, but now things have got rocky. How are they going to react? Example, okay, the refurb cost has gone up by 10%. Yeah, um, right. The builders have, you know, the builders actually have possibly overstretched themselves and now we've got massive delays on the project. Those kind of things, we'll hopefully talk about ways we can alleviate that and try to understand the other person in advance. But those sort of things, exactly where, like you said, a high pressure situation throws it off. You're probably thinking, I wish I never had partnered with this person. Yeah. This and, and also the, sometimes the pressure it. is not on your side. What if something's happened to them? They're subjected to financial challenges or there's been a debt in the family or the relationship's breaking up or their business is suddenly starting to struggle. And whereas they lent it to you in a good place at the time, you know, we haven't established enough about who they are as a person, how they handle pressure and what their values are around that if something changes and goes in the opposite direction. So there's two sides to an equation and, you know, in perfect harmony, great. But what if one side goes out of sync and what if both sides go out of sync? It's even worse. So there's a, a good point, actually, where would you say that most business partnerships are developed and you choose business partners when everything seems rosy, everything's going well, you've got an idealistic picture, optimistic picture of everything around you. That's typically when partners form. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I, I think there's some truth to that, but I have personally started businesses out of a place of pain, i.e. things weren't going well you know, backs against the wall, been screwed over by somebody, had a bad experience, like screw them, I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. And those experiences can lead to a really successful business. However, I think majority of the time they don't because they're born from a place of pain and they're more driven out of a sense of lack or a sense of urgency, which nothing wrong with urgency, but it's painful urgency as opposed to a, an urgency towards something you want to achieve and be inspired towards. That's not to say the business isn't started from a place of inspiration. It's like, oh, man, this is really bad. We've been screwed up. You know what? We could do it ourselves. Yeah, we could do it ourselves. As opposed to imagine if we took our time to build this incredible business in the future and this is what we're going to do. We plan it that way. So I would say, yes, to be honest, hand on heart, I don't know the split between how most businesses are started because I think the reality is there's a combination of both those things because there yeah. are some great stories. I mean, the classic example would be people like Colonel Sanders who started Kentucky Fried Chicken. Not that I'm a KFC fan, by the way. Not that KFC <laughs> at the moment, I think, has actually got chicken in it, if I'm correct. Yeah, well, um, they finally released a vegan burger. But if you're, have if they, you, right. For those who know Roe, he's, he's not a big KFC fan. Yeah, and this isn't to put KFC down. It's just that I personally don't eat meat. So the message I want to share with you is the KFC story is phenomenal. Their success was astronomical after he went out in his late 60s and basically hit the road and was just trying to find someone to buy his recipe. And it evolved into KFC eventually. But that was a business that was born out of a lot of challenge and a lot of difficulty. And some of the most famous businesses have come from that. Some of the famous success stories have come from that. So if you look at Sylvester Stallone's story, for example, he was absolutely brassic. He wrote the story for Rocky. And here you've got a business idea. He goes to the table and he wants to be in the, he actually wants to be Rocky. So although people like the actual, the manuscript and they like what he'd written, they go, yeah, we've got we've got some ideas of people that we want to put into this. And he's like, no, no, I, I it's got to be me. I, I want to be Rocky. And they're like, no, you can't look at your face, man. Look at where you speak. Yeah. And literally, they just took the mick out of him. So he, at that point, out of this incredible adversity, chose to hang on. He was literally living uh, on the street. He couldn't afford to feed himself. 
but he just waited and, and people offered him money and he said no because he didn't want the money he wanted less money but he wanted a part because he believed this could become something fantastic and so there's an idea of him choosing a partnership working with people that finally aligned with his values and yes it was born out of a place of pain it wasn't that about place pleasure really but that resulted in an incredible legacy which became phenomenally successful as we know with the whole of the rocky brand so there's so many different ways it can be shaped up. I think the difference is when you're in pain, you might take on business partners out of literally desperation. And when you're excited with somebody and you meet with somebody, you go, let's do this business. You might go into business with them because you're excited. But neither of those two reasons are a logical way to assess a person and the partnership and the values because you're only looking at it from one perspective i don't think it's making sense i'm trying to paint a big picture here so if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking i'm on the pain side i'm on the pleasure side um, do you understand what i'm trying to say it's I, not I just totally about those two driving forces yes there's more to it so let's dive in a bit with a bit more detail and look at some of the most common mistakes you've personally seen because you've worked with so many people to help develop their the wealth side of them the human side of them and in terms of the business side I imagine you've coached business partners you've coached individuals who need to find a business partner so during this process what are the common mistakes you see people make when they're deciding to team up uh, or I mean, when they're choosing a business partner a great we've obviously covered some of them and yeah. I'm going to reflect it back to you in a minute as well because I want to have this sort of older head younger head vision and you just described something which is very interesting there about millennials and I think you're right there is definitely a lack of understanding of how business can work and also as you said I think sometimes it almost appears to be too easy but actually it's it's not but on the outside it can look like especially with now you flick on YouTube now suddenly it, up comes an image of a guy in a bar camera comes up to him and he says hi you know I don't work haven't worked for the last two years you know I've got an online business or I sell stuff on Amazon whatever and everyone goes oh god that looks so easy I'm going to go into business with these people and so it can look on the outside to be easy and I think that's a mistake that people make is they go into a business in answer to your questions common mistakes they go into the business thinking this is going to be fairly easy I know this subject I can do this boom and off I go so that's one mistake mm. but let me just list out uh, let me go through my brain and some of the typical ones chasing money is singularly I think the biggest one for most that's people that's got to be that's got to be the biggest yeah, i'm yeah. going into business i'm gonna make money we oh, yeah, can make, make this much yeah, we're gonna make this much come on if we do this right we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get ourselves free or we'll make enough for a whole year come on we can do this how much profit do you think we can make and it's just like boom 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 focused on the financial return so i think that's one big mistake and one thing i can share where is so within my business one of the businesses actually is there's four founders and me and another one of the founders, and, and he'll probably laugh if he's listening to this, is even once we are we had a successful business set up, we would talk about micro projects within the business. And we always start the conversation with, oh, my God, it can make this much money. Look, if we do it this way, it can make this much money. And it never, ever transpired that way. So yeah. we stopped talking about it like that. We Now it's a different conversation. But we learned that and we were both on the same level to have that conversation. But chasing money is definitely feels like number one i had a conversation with somebody last year whose business was seriously going into trouble and i mean big time a lot of people upset and even in the conversation i was saying to this person you're still focused on money this mistake 
I believe the mistakes that have been made here are fundamentally because everything you've done has been driven from a place of money as opposed to really understanding your core values, who you want to work with, who are the people doing these projects, and are those values aligned first? And off the back of that, if you follow this thing with passion, then the success will lead to the money. But no, the money was always brought to the front of the conversation, the front of the equation, the front of the whole philosophy. And this is where I think mistakes really get made. And, and I put my hand up and say I made that myself, and we cover this a bit later on. But it's, for me, it's been a, been a big eye-opener. Other things include just teaming up with your mates. It's like, I've got this best mate I've known for years. We've had this idea. We always wanted to do it. And now we've decided to do it. And after six months, it's, you know, we're having all sorts of problems. He's doing this, and he's not doing this, and she's doing that, and she's not doing that. And all of a sudden, the conflicts come in because your mates aren't necessarily the best people to go into business with. And the same thing applies to family members as well. So, again, this is where I've seen challenges where I mean, you've got to think a member of your family, or your wife's family in your business. So I think managing that is the right way. It's, it's knowing how to make that work. So if a family member comes into the business, you're aligned with them and you've done that very well. But not everybody manages to do that. Most families freaking don't get on at certain times you imagine over the dinner table or christmas or you know there are always going to be family conflicts now you start a business and you try and bring a business alongside the family dynamics and that's like a magnifying glass that just can just acutely create a fire but equally there's been some amazing family partnerships so it's mm. it's understanding again people's skills and, and the values etc yeah and I, I think, and I think maybe we can do a podcast on building a business as a couple because I yeah, know yeah, that'd be great partner idea. in the early days you did a lot of work together and me and my wife yes. are business partners um, and we do a lot of work together so I think this can actually expand into another topic because family and beyond that your partner you know you're living under one roof and I've shared it in past episodes you're living under one roof you are working together all day how do you divide that up how do you still create a successful relationship and a business dynamic so I think we should explore that that would be a great topic. And, and while I'm listing these out briefly, just be aware, I'm not saying these are the only reasons or this was the reason. I'm saying these are multiple reasons how I've seen businesses fail and the partnerships haven't worked. So there's nothing wrong with focusing on money because the business has to be profitable, but it's because it's the obsession of that. It's the t you know teaming up with a friend. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's certain things you need to do before that actually takes place to make sure you're aligned. Another one could be just not taking the time to understand the vision. Two people don't have the same vision. Or the vision is exciting. You know, the vision is we're going to make money. Or the vision is we're going to make these products. Or the vision is we're going to create this much turnover. Or the vision is that we're going to expand into five different countries or whatever. But there's so much more than that. So until the visions are aligned and aligned with the right values, then ultimately that's just an idea you're attempting to monetize as opposed to a business model and a business vision and a set of values that that business is going to show up to the table with. So it's not just having the visions, but you've got to understand the person's values. How are we going to get to that amazing vision that we've got in a way that aligns with my values? What if they don't align with your values? And I think, you know, that's something I thought you did really well. When I first sat down with your team, if you remember one of the questions I went around and just tried to get clarity on what your different visions were, and they were all extremely well aligned. And you could see that in the behavior of the team that you're working with. Had they not been, you know, you can quickly see if somebody's going to drop out of that team. So values is a big player. And um, we'll come back to that later. Greed and excitement are two things. And they don't, you know, they can be confused for the same thing. Yeah, excited because yeah. you can make loads of money. Excited because you're going to leave my money. Excited because you're money. That's great. But that's more about the money. So this is a greed thing creeping back in again. Yeah. So here's an interesting one. Well, have you had scenarios? And I know... This has been quite a new thing to me, certainly in the last year with business relationships. But you mentioned greed there. So many of these business partnerships are not typically split 50-50. 
So mm. have you had experiences, you know, where, where maybe the business started to get very successful. Now somebody's potential greed or is kicked in and saying, hang on a minute, that person's making more money than me because this original split was there and yeah. so on. Have you, have you seen that? In yeah. People? So uh, it's good. That's a good question. Actually, some years ago I ran some events and what happened was part of what I was offering a little bit like what we do with the the, you, know, you know, the different programs that I run. So if you come to the communication with impact event, when you come there, we go through an amazing training, but people want more. They say, well, can I have coaching? Can I have mentoring? Can I specialize with communications online in business? What about relationships? So what I discovered was that whilst running events, if you just stop there, people go, well, in fact, you came to my, one of my first communications events where we didn't offer anything and people were like, hold on a minute, there's nothing else to offer can't you yeah. offer us something so yeah. i then and they I, wanted I, that next level yeah they wanted it exactly <laughs> so it's a bit like coming off the growth tribes here i mean this is free and there's loads of content but some people want a, a stronger connection with you and i and some of our amazing team around us so they come yeah. and join us in the growth tribes and it's well, you know the subscription is not a lot of money per month but people get a lot of value from that so that's always been something i've realized that people do want more so i, I would bring in a couple of people that would help me deliver this and they were running their own type of programs but at a lower cost because they were much smaller events, usually run in a, a small hall or maybe even their own home. So the costs were a lot lower. So when I brought them in, I would say, okay, well, I'm going to be promoting this and this is the price I'm going to promote it for. And they were like, you, you can't sell it for that. And I said, well, yeah, they, we can because we're adding this, we're adding this, we're adding this, loads more value. I'm getting involved as well, plus your program. And after I did it a couple of times and people had actually bought into this and were getting great, amazing results from it, one of the people who'd previously been probably charging about half of what I charged, he was like, okay, I want more money or I'm going to go and do it on my own. I said, well, okay, but do understand that I've spent a lot of money marketing to get people in the room and I'm adding all these extras as well, which you don't have. And he said, well, I'll just do it myself. And I said, fair enough. And we went in our separate directions and he tried for a while to run the same program that he did before, but at the same cost that I was charging for. And mm. it didn't work. His business fell on his face because he didn't have the funnel to bring people in, but he also didn't have the value to add to them. And so the greed on his part crept in. And sadly enough, that, that went nowhere, that relationship. And I'd known him for a few years prior to that. I just never done business with him. Yeah. And it's also then linked to the logical side, which is what value are you bringing to the business? Yeah. How do you contribute to the business? And just misunderstanding that in the early days. And it could be, you know, this is probably slightly more solution orientated, but it could be that there's a shift because at the start, the value is required by one person. And then later down the line, there's an agreement that once the value shifts, so does the percentage that we agreed on. Yeah. So there's got to be that sort of tied into the pre-agreement. That, that probably, can, leads... by the way, that can include shareholdings in a company. So when you yeah. set the company up, you hold certain shareholdings aside. And as either a new person comes in with a lot of experience, that can be a challenge. By the way, I've had that experience where we've we may come to this a bit later on. But you know, where you have a business and there's two or three partners, and then you want to bring one more in, and this new person coming in has got a huge amount of experience, but nobody else wants to give up their shares. It's like, well, I'm not going to give them shares. Yeah, but yeah. look at what they can do for our business. Yeah, well, I'm going to get like 4% less shares. I know, but what if they can add 100% to our revenue? Then, you know, your extra 4% isn't going to be as profitable as giving up 4%, but to make a lot more profit. So it's really, these are subtle conversations that have to happen early in any business. And here's the interesting thing, Ro. You say subtle conversations, but the thing that springs to mind is it's very challenging. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I personally seen is when two people who are, you know, the values may align, 
they may be excited about the product more than the actual money itself, the process, etc. But their level of personal development is completely different. Correct. So just imagine one person has done years and years and years of personal development, maturing themselves, becoming really self-aware, understanding themselves, their skill sets, where the other person hasn't done any of that. Now, that's often a challenge as well, because the, the dreaming, the vision, the goal setting will also be completely different. So the mistake is, you know, and this is what's really cool about the Growth Tribes community is, you know, if somebody decided to team up in there, they've all gone through a level of personal development. Everybody around that environment is amazing in the way that they've spent time on mastering their own skills, whatever they may be. So I think that's a big thing I've spotted, which allows people not to have those candid conversations. You know, they are subtle, but I also believe that they're they're quite candid. I think when you spoke to our my team and my business partners in the early days, it was a case of you're going to have to ask yourselves these tough questions. You know, what if what happens yeah. if one of you dies? What happens if one of you has a child next year and it's always still early in the business? What happens when these you know scenarios play out? And not having that conversation is a, probably a key mistake. No, I mean I enjoyed that face-to-face coach when we first met because you gave me permission to be direct and I think that it's good to have that level of straight conversation early because it might even be that there's a niggling thought in somebody's back of their mind and they didn't want to bring it up whereas if you have an external coach or a mentor or somebody that does that it's like oh my god thank goodness you said that because I've been wondering about that but I just didn't want to say anything so these things are great and and this is where personal development comes in because certain I mean you and I have very open candid conversations and I think that enables us to to keep doing what we're doing and all the support you've given me and what we're doing with communicating with impact and the growth tribes that started off as almost two parallel conversations and now's merged into a, a one conversation with a common goal to impact and help as many people as possible but it came through a lot of hard asked questions that's certainly helped that growth happen quickly and I think we may have just missed one of the most obvious mistakes, Ro, just in this brief two-minute conversation. And what I just heard there is is not having a mentor or a coach or yes. an advisor in place who can sit there and just be objective. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, you know, people often, I believe, the misconception is you've got to be a really large company and have a board of directors or have a business coach who will then look at your business objectively when you make it. But it's actually the coach and the mentor can help get you there accelerated pace and if there's something like you said is one business partner doesn't want to say it to you but if you ask the right question as the intermediary or the objective person in the room they may open up and you can quickly resolve something that may have been may be bottled up for years and years and years and then then there comes a catastrophic explosion and you know the funny thing is the more successful people get i've noticed that they're much more tuned into bringing on board whoever they need to, to get them to the next level. They don't even question it. It's like, you know, classic example, Richard Branson has and, and will continue to do so, I'm sure, advocated, promoted and recommended to any young entrepreneurs or people coming through his company, Virgin, find a mentor within the company or, or if you're starting a business, find a mentor, find somebody to bring on board with you. I literally got a message at the weekend from somebody who's highly successful in network marketing. This person was saying, I was thinking about you last night because I've got a member of my team who's wanting to just move to another level and they just need a good coach and you immediately came to mind. And that's because at the level she's at, she knows you need someone above you that has a different perspective and can see things differently to just push the buttons and prod you and make you accountable. Whereas I find a lot of people stuck in jobs who haven't started a business because they're used to just doing something on their own. They really struggle with the idea of bringing in somebody from the outside to guide them. And yet that extra guidance could move them 10, 15 steps further than they are right now. 
So spot on. I think that's another major mistake that people make when it comes to working and finding partners and choosing the right people to have around you. I think that's a great summary in all, in terms of answering the question, the common mistakes. So as always, I'm going to pop that onto the show notes, growthtribes.com mm. forward slash podcast, and you'll find the show notes there. Because, you know, if you just quickly glance at that, even when you're looking at the show notes or you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, and you're being very self-aware, you think, actually, I'm yeah. doing this just to chase the money. Actually, yeah, I've got right. this property deal and I'm just, just trying to attract money, but I don't care whose money it is. These are times to just take a pause and say, would it be better if I chose the right business partner the right way? And we're going to continue to explore that. Before we go into the solution part, is there any other personal, because you've actually coached me and my team through this, but any other examples, maybe you can share a painful story. So the listeners at home know it's, mm. you know, just, just be very self-aware during the excitement phase because you can save a hell of a lot of pain. So is there any other personal example or one example you could share with the listeners at home? <laughs> How long have we got? Um, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking back 30 years and there's been some seriously painful ones. You know, one of the ones that stands out for me actually was about 10, 12 years ago when I was in a business with a couple of other partners and one of these people I'd known for some years, I'd gone out and done different experiences with this person and I had got to a point in the relationship with him where I didn't really question things very much in terms of decisions and choices that were made because we had done a lot of stuff together on a personal level and I trusted him in, in his nature that he would be honourable and be honest about what was going on if anything was not correct. And what I didn't realise was that on a personal level, I thought he was out independently working to me and doing consultancy work and generating income because we were basically starting up a business. So when you're doing a startup business, unless you're both independently financially secure of each other, you have to have some kind of financial support within the business. And we were choosing not to draw from the business for the first six to 12 months on the understanding that we were both able to support ourselves externally. Well, what I didn't realize was he actually wasn't doing that. He was spending money on cards and loans and borrowing and literally propping up his lifestyle by doing that to the tune of 250, 350,000 pounds. And that imploded about a year in when we were dealing with some banks who found out about his financial situation. And through all of that, he never once mentioned the actual situation that he was going into. And because he didn't do that, the banks treated myself, the other business partners and him all with the same, we painted us with the same brush. And that meant we lost a lot of money. They pulled funding from us on certain projects we were doing. And it was really painful. And I was pissed off because I always thought I would spot things like this. I had a gut feeling normally with people, uh, very intuitive, um, infinitely more now than I was then. And if you ask me, Ro, you know, how did you miss that? It's number one in my list above. It's chasing the money because we were looking at some really big projects, some big profitability. Also, and this is something I didn't mention actually earlier on, and it might be worth to see if you come across this yourself, is he was quite a strong character. And although I'm a strong character in his area, he was good at what he knew. And I thought, you know, I trust that and I'm going to let that play out. And because of that, he steered certain areas of the business and I didn't really get involved because I just trusted because of that. We were so focused on this couple of projects we were going to make a lot of money on. I just missed all the little signs, all the little cracks. 
and it was purely down to chasing money. It cost me probably a couple hundred grand or more, that mistake. And more importantly, a business, if you add up the potential business that was lost, the pain of it, and even now, when I look back, I still think, how did I make that mistake? So I try and use that as a way to teach other people. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a bit serious here, but is this making sense? Do, do you understand what I'm trying to paint, the picture I'm trying that, to paint? I, I do understand the picture. And, you know, I'm taking this lesson on and hopefully people listening at home is that when you are with a business partner and who you've chosen to be with, you are linked to them, you know, reputationally. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Emotionally linked to them. You're going to spend a lot of time with them and also link to them in regards to trust because ultimately the reason one of the reasons you bring in business partners is the skill set that they bring to the table and you have to almost trust that they're going to deliver that part of the skill set and of course i don't know the details but just looking at it as a lessons if i was to take lessons from this picture you painted is we have to trust. But what well, I mean, just to, I know you I know you don't want to pry, but to give you some idea, his background was I think he'd done an MBA. He had a more more of a business academically a business background, even though there's a ten year gap between us. I, he's younger than me. I sort of leveraged off the thought. Well, okay, well you know he's very switched on. He's got all this skill set, so he was very keen to bring on staff very quickly which increased our outgoing costs and all these sorts of things, a little bit more prestigious place to rent for the offices and these, and all of that started to play out. And of course, I'm off doing my thing which, where my skill set is creating and yeah. it was like managing and I, I missed it, completely missed it. Yeah. So what would you say if there's one lesson that we can give <laughs> to the listeners at home from this picture what what can we give them from that? Well, what, I tell you what, you can I do repeat? it as a, a section at the end? Let's give it a name. What to consider when choosing the right business partner? Can we? Can All I right. do that at the end? I think that sounds like a good Because that plan. might be better because there's several lessons from this. I mean, let me just, I'll add a few other examples. So, oh, God, there was more. Yeah. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so again, to do with partners, right? So that was a partnership. It wasn't a limited company. It's a partner. This is similar. This is a partnership. And again, there's different structures and that's maybe a conversation for another day. But so this is somebody who... I only discovered after I've been in business with this person for about a year and a half, was very much like a chameleon. And what I mean by that is you're going to meet certain people along the way that always seem to mold to what you say and what you do. They always seem to sort of fit in around what you're saying. You don't realize you're fitting and you just feel like there's a good, there's a good fit here. And so for want of a better word, they were a yes person. They were a pleaser. So what I found afterwards was that it was only when I pulled it apart and dissected it again, this is my evolution as a human being and a business person as well, is that when we were discussing things from a business perspective and I was saying, well, I really think we should do this and these are the values we should operate from, they would say, yeah, absolutely, I totally agree. But they weren't acting that way. So little things they were doing. So whereas I might want to get back to people quickly and if I felt that we should give them a refund or even one example was an angel investor that lent some money to us early on on one of our projects. So this is separate on a business project. And then it got to the point where we're due to repay them, but the business, took, there was a few challenges in the business. So I was like, you know, we can rejuggle some money and pay them back with this money. No, no, we'll, we'll pay them back when the project finishes. And I said, yeah, I know, but we need to keep our promise. We both agreed that. And now we've gone beyond that period. It took time to extract that money back out to pay the other person back. So what I found was that my business partner was saying yes to me. In other words, verbally pretending for want of a better word, to align with my values, but was not acting accordingly. In other mm. words, his values were not aligned with mine at all. Some were, but some of the core ones in business weren't. And it got really annoying. And in the end, we went our separate ways and it wasn't a pleasant breakup. And I was so pissed off because, again, 
I missed the signals. Now, you've got to bear in mind, we're going back 10, 15 years. So I was probably in my late 30s, early 40s. And you might think, well, that's still pretty old. Trust me now, I'm like a bloody mind reader. In fact, we teach <laughs> on the communicating with impact. Uh, you know, Well, you know, you've been you've been around me. That's probably why I developed the skill, actually, so quickly. I, yeah, I've been, I've been around you. And, and you when... joke about it. You say you can read, read minds. But I almost had to, out of experience of missing things. And why? goes back to what you asked earlier on. Passionate about business. Great ideas great product, great service, going to make lots of money. That's where the focus was. It was not on the relationship of the business with that partner. So if you're listening to this at home, this is this would be my approach. If I was listening to Road telling his personal stories is just log them, mentally log them, feel the story, and then just be aware of that. Don't paint every one of your business partners with this and, and distrust them from day one. But what I'm saying is just keep these stories in the back of your mind, because I often find where is these kind of stories and experiences that your generation and the mentors and coaches of your generation share with my generation, almost that transference of generational knowledge is we are now aware of this. Otherwise, we have to go through the pain. If I wasn't aware of this, I would have to go through the pain of this, lose the money, lose friendships, lose great bonds that we found with people and I guess this is this is an interesting one because, you know, me and you partner on a few things. What I don't see often, and maybe you you can see it differently, is there a benefit to an, a more mature person and somebody of my generation becoming business partners, teaming up? Mm, massively is, so. And you're right. It doesn't happen very often. I think it's mm-hmm. partly because of the egos of the older generation, possibly not wanting to do that. I think also younger people not necessarily being personally developed enough to find the right person. The law of attraction plays out massively. You and I came through that journey and your development and where I was at that time, I think we, you know, there was a very deep connection there and it just aligned. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's a great one to jump onto. I mean, you see people going, doing the apprentice and trying to hook out with, you know, Richard Branson, that's what they're doing it. They're, They're looking for that role. Often it's more a mentoring role than an actual business partnership, I think, isn't it? If you look around. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think, I think the apprentice is a great example. I like could that I, example. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but would it be fair to say that there is a generation, whether it's within the millennial generation, i.e. somewhere in that grouping, there's definitely a vibe of I can do it on my own type attitude, the DIY we call it. And I think that that could be one of the reasons, not necessarily you, but certain people within your generation, I would sort of probably tend towards a slightly younger than the older part of the, the millennials, just think, sod it, I don't need them, I'll just give it a go myself. I'm young. If I fuck up, I can always come back and give it another go later. Yeah. And, and I just struggle to wrap my head around that. And I, I, I see that more than I see people standing up saying, hey, I need some help or I've got some questions that need answering or going to successful business people and saying, Look, this is a scenario or coaches and mentors who've, who are in that field. I see less of that, unfortunately, but I do see more of, oh, I'm just going to give it a go. I think partly it's because of you know, you see the success story online, you know, you see the amazing, especially tech entrepreneurs, this is massive in the tech entrepreneur circle, you see them just at the end point, but you don't see all of the people that's helped them, guided them along the way until they mention it right at the end. But it's often in brief passing because this is a, this is often a private conversation. These people have their reputation to protect as well. And often if it's a public company, they've got to protect a lot more than just their reputation. So you don't often hear about what happens around the behind the scenes, the mentors, unless you start to read their autobiographies and you read their biographies and you actually dive into their stories. 
you find almost in every chapter there's somebody there playing a part helping them nudge them along with their skill set and i think if my generation can really understand that or just go and explore some of these case studies you'll very quickly realize that they just did not do this by themselves no. their greatest success came with when they had as many advisors around the table as possible and then they make their independent decision so i think yeah and we i mean we dedicated a whole podcast to the concept of coaches and mentors and if you haven't listened to it i strongly recommend you go have a listen to that particular one yeah so that episode was why are coaches and mentors more important now than ever and that's yes that's business related as well but also career change related there's a lot of disruption happening on a global scale and if you don't reach out to these people who are there to guide you you know that is their profession that's what they're trained to do yeah. then everything's just going to be that much harder and i think my generation think we're getting away with it you know we're currently in a good time in the economy where people yeah. are in jobs people are hiring you know albeit the salaries are not that great but they are hiring when that changes you know my generation going to suffer and i just hope they put the ego aside before that actually happens so that's, yeah. that's the only thing i can hope for yeah it's slightly different conversation because you're talking about business partners being older but but to some extent a good mentor almost plays that role as well i mean just staying on this theme before because you asked about examples let me give you two other quick ones one is when i was in my job so this is not in business but in job so what i found was when i went in and this is great for anyone listening to this because we opened the theme of today is you know how do i choose my the right business partner but actually this is about how do i choose as you said earlier the, the right boss the right company and i went off to work for a company when i was in my mid-20s mid to late 20s and I realized very quickly that my values did not align with the directors that were there. Now, it's not that I didn't like them because they were nice people, but they had a very specific set of values that they wanted me to operate by in order to become an ultimately a future director of that company. And I was a young 20-something-year-old, but I was reading a load of personal development stuff at that time, and I was extremely entrepreneurial by nature. I wanted to go and do something for myself. I wanted independence. And I found that the values of the company were about tug the line, do what we say, follow this structure, do this. And mine were completely misaligned. Mine were like, I want to go and be entrepreneurial. I don't want to tug the line. I don't want to fit into this conformity system. And I don't want to climb a corporate ladder that leads me to a result that you guys have got. So we completely clashed and I felt uncomfortable every single day I was going in there. What kept me going was I needed a salary at the time. I hadn't got financial independence in place. I hadn't got my businesses off the ground at the time, which I was starting on the side. So I had this real conflict. And I think a lot of people listening to this probably face the same thing. I'm like, yeah, but you mm. don't understand. I want this job because of the income. I get that. But you have to ask yourself the question, is that job a long-term job or a short-term job? If it's a long-term job, then the salary at the beginning might be great, but it will eat away at your soul the longer you're in there. The same way you felt you had to leave your job eventually, Harminder, because I think you got to that point. But up until then, you were quite aligned with what you're doing because it kind of it felt right for you. But there was a point when you started to become misaligned. And I watched that. And I think that's because you started to have a greater value for freedom, time with your beautiful wife, being able to help other people. How can you do that if you're stuck in a nine to five working for somebody else? I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I observed in you. Eating at your soul. I think that defines it quite well. I think that that's a that's a <laughs> well, great description. Yeah, I picked up on that. Yeah, I, up on I was thinking yeah. about that as you were talking. I said yes. I think that's a nice way for me to describe it. When people ask, how was that feeling? I think it was a case of when something's eating away at your soul, it's time to make a change. Yeah. And you know, I have to then disconnect from that partnership. That partnership is me as an employee and that boss, me as employee and that team or that company or the values. As your example is, you are misaligned with the values of the directors. 
and that's time to time to step away. Another quick one here, and just for anyone listening to this, be careful of being drawn in for the wrong reasons. I just spoke to somebody over the weekend, actually, who felt that they were being bullied by their business partner and the business partner was older, quite manipulative and very persuasive. And that level of persuasion, selling the younger person I was speaking to, and I say young, he's in his 40s, selling him on the idea that, yeah, my values are aligned with yours. Don't worry, we're going to do great stuff together. But as soon as they started the business, the bullying started. And I see it on a corporate level. I see people literally pandering to someone else purely because they're afraid to walk away from the income or they're afraid to say no to somebody or they don't you know they don't want to seem to be a failure but the truth is if you're not aligned with somebody else it's not a failure to walk away you have to be aligned with yourself your core values you want the business to grow in a way that contributes for the greater good of the world and yourself and the people around you and if it's not doing that walk away i love that because by walking away i would say you cannot have that many business partners in your life ultimately you're going to have one or two yeah. but by walking away from one you almost open the door to another amazing one when the time is right when you know you've taken the lessons from that partnership number one and then you apply them to partnership number two and you know it could be number two three or four is your best business partner ever we're not the best scenario i guess where is you know you have your business partners and they're your business partners for life yeah but you know through this exploration process hopefully we can give people a few pointers so they go through less business partners for the wrong reason of course yeah. you know you have multiple business partners for a great reason as in you're doing lots of amazing things and you're scaling up but if it's for a case of you know there's they're not the right business partner then hopefully some of these tips later in today's episode when you know we talk about what to consider when choosing the right business partner, we can dive into those. Yeah, and we're going to get to those in a bit. So I think that would be a nice way to round this off because a lot of this, and I know we're spending a bit of time on this, it's awareness, isn't it? I mean, I wrote this in the Turning Point book, your first step to change is awareness. So when you become, you might have heard one sentence, one phrase that either myself or Harminder said today and you go, oh my God, that's exactly how I feel. Well, if you're feeling that, that's probably a little sign to say, right, it's time for a change, time to reflect. And we could certainly give you a few things to wrap up with when we finish today on that. Yes. And what I, what I was going to say is I'm feeling a bit heavy. I'm feeling a bit, you know, some of those stories, I'm like, oh my goodness, what I need to be careful of the business partners I approach in the Yeah, yeah, forward. yeah, that's true. Scare you off. We don't want to scare you off listeners. So what are the benefits of working with a business partner? Mm, because, question. you know, there's got to be a good side to this, this side. But I think we painted the picture, Rose painted the picture of some scenarios to make you aware. And I think you've summed that up really nicely. Now, I think we should also on the same side, almost the yin and the yang of this, the other side is what are the benefits? Why on earth, you know, knowing that all these things can happen, why on earth even go try find a business partner in the first place? Have you got some a few ideas to kick us off with that I can maybe add some as well? Yeah, let me just throw a few in and then, and then you can just jump in as well. So, I mean, the obvious one is to grow the business faster. Two people, three people coming together, working with great skills. There's no doubt that if you are aligned and the values aligned and the passion's there, the creativity's there and the enthusiasm's there and the funds are there between you, the business will grow faster. And, and on your own, it's very hard to grow a business rapidly, just purely solely on your own because you're limited on 24 hours a day unless you want to you know, try and kill yourself or kill your family's relationship. So growing the business fast is number one. Number two, I would say, is 
I find that when there's more people together in a business, the right people, then there's more opportunities seem to come your way because you're all connected in your own universe to different mm. people. We had this conversation just this weekend. I think I, I dropped you a couple of messages about some of the people I've reached out to because we have some events coming up and they're really keen to come back and reconnect with me. So this is about having people within your network and they are allow aligning with the people in your business partners network. And suddenly it's, you know, it's the multiplication of these things. It's the geometric growth that can happen when all these opportunities come together. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, imagine it's less, let's put a practical example around that. Imagine my founders and my co-founders of one of the companies, we are international, you know, there's three of us in the UK, one yeah. is in the U S now imagine all four or three of us, depending on, you know, where we are geographically located, all went to our own business networking events or networking yeah. meetings. And there's many across the country you just want to hook into a really fruitful one where there's exciting, dynamic things going on at that networking event. But imagine all four of us did that consistently. We've now opened up globally for business networks. Now, that's really difficult if you're just by yourself. How do you tap into a US market? How do you tap into the UK market? How do you tap into the European market? on that kind of scale. It's very difficult when you're by yourself. You're almost limited to your local town or that town that you can get to that specific day. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting as well, because when we talk about this, it's also about this whole coordination and opportunities. You know, there's a big gap, age gap between you and I. But when we decided to create Grow Tribes, the most logical way to do it, from my perspective, was I have a certain skill set and a lot of experience I bring to the table. You as a team are younger and know social media, but also have a skill set I don't have. And so the opportunities were much better for us to work together than me just say, let me engage these these people. Because part of me was I wanted to create a legacy that we could have for years to come. And when I'm not around, you know, there's still 20, 30, 40 years and more of life in you to be able to carry that forward. Mm. So partnerships, this is the, the nice thing about contrast between young and old is that there's a chance for that those years of experience to be carried forward through the younger generation as well. So that's you another mentioned opportunity. There, yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned there where you almost pointed on in that short description there is you sh you're almost sharing the workload as well yeah you're bringing different skills yes, to the exactly. table so you're sharing the skills you've got a unique skill set as you said yeah we have uh, you know if you take a property perspective you know you may be the person on the ground you've got a specific skill set somebody else in the business may be a master at raising finance for the business so they are off doing that so you can share that workload share this skill set and it becomes very scalable when you're doing things like that without um, a doubt and again, two more great reasons why it can work if you get the right alignment. Also, it's just having something to bounce off. It's, it's knowing that you've got someone there that you go into the office with or on the phone or however the business is set up where you, you're both aiming or, you're, or there's more of you in the business. You're all aiming for the same purpose and you're just challenging each other because you might have blind spots that you haven't seen or your enthusiasm might blind you or you're, you, know, you could be having an off day and someone else in the team just picks something up that you didn't pick up. So partnerships work on that. And remember, ultimately, we're all trying to get to the same place. So having someone that has the same interest as you, the same values as you, and at the same time, wants to see the success of the business, then if there's something that's not quite right, you can bounce it off them. They're going to say, what about this? What about this? What about this? So that's a massive one for me. Mm -hmm. um, the obvious ones, you know, we talk about leveraging your time and your skills. We've already sort of talked about that, but just using, you know, there might be things that you don't have the physical time to do, but your business partner can do on that particular day or that occasion. And same thing with a skill set as well. So that plays out in a massive way as well.
Yeah, and I think I've already mentioned, but leveraging location and time zones. So I, I was having a conversation with somebody, one of my partners in the US and also somebody in the Far East. And we yeah. worked out that we could technically be working. And I think this is why big corporations do it. But yeah. as a small company, we were technically working for 24 hours a day. Like our work productivity or our conversation could constantly be flowing 24 hours a day. So when I'm asleep, they're awake. Yes. When they're awake, I'm asleep. And it's, a, it's such a phenomenal thing. And I think that certainly changed in my generation compared to, I think big corporations have adopted this. This is probably the first thing they ever adopted uh, when they start to globalize. But there's possibly a bit of resistance to that. I've, you know, we I, when I've worked with clients who are not quite tech savvy, I don't know if that's the right word to use, they always want to meet face to face. You know, the client meeting has to be face to face. Yeah. There's none of this remote working. Whereas ensuring that your communication with your business partners can be done like that is you can leverage it extremely well. I mean, we use a tool called Slack and that allows us to constantly be working within our own working hours. So what it does is it allows you to almost leverage your own life as well. I can work in my slot and then live my life in that slot over there. So I think leveraging time, skills, location, time zones, they all play a part and it's phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, added to that, you've got different perspectives from life experiences we talked about already, uh, different cultural experiences, that there are so many amazing benefits to working with the right business partner or business partners. So hopefully that's brought a little bit more of a balance to what I talked about with you and you, you know, we both <laughs> yeah, shared at the beginning. Now. <laughs> I wasn't worth trying to paint a dark picture, but I think it's important to walk in with eyes wide open as opposed to eyes shut and then, oh shit, I didn't know about that. I wish you told me that earlier. Yeah, I feel better about my business partners now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully that, well, they're going to be listening to this. So you didn't mean it quite like that, did you? <laughs> Absolutely not. And it is just that element. I mean, the positive thing for me, Ro, personally, is, you know, we worked through this process. You know, we talked about the benefits. We talked about what we're going to cover later in this, the next section here. But we've covered this. But many of the listeners may not have considered this and they're just falling into the typical trap of, and I will say it again, we're excited, we're chasing the money, I need to get this project started, and the only way to do it is if I bring this partner on board. There's all of that still happening in the background, whereas, you know, there's lots of benefits to this, but if you take your time to work through the process we'll share in a moment, then you can avoid this. So I've avoided these elements because, Ro, you've coached us through this, essentially. You've mentored us through this process, and you're constantly just checking in. You know, you're having that constant checking process, asking that question when you feel is the right time to ask that question. So I don't know if you remember, but about a year ago, we were probably somewhere on a motorway services. I think we've been coming back looking at some properties or possibly going out to a presentation. And you were looking at the possibility of working with somebody that had quite a lot of cash to, to invest. I don't know if you oh, remember. I remember this, yeah. And uh, the conversation was splitting the cash flow on some HMO. These are housing multiple occupation properties for anyone listening that doesn't know that, high income generating properties. And I remember asking the question, how long do you want this relationship to be with these people? Because if, if they put the money in, is this income for life? And what happens in the event of their death? Do their kids then want to come and take the money back? Do they want to get rid of the properties? Are you and Gina going to have kids? And if you're going to have kids, what entity are you going to put these properties into? What if the market changes and the income isn't as high and more work is needed? Have they got any experience? Do they actually invest in property themselves? I remember I just sat and unloaded, I think, over a coffee, didn't I? And, and I just sat there like, in silence. I was yeah. like... <laughs> your face is like 
Ah, right. Okay. I was just thinking there's quite a lot of money here. And I just know it because of my experiences of making those kind of mistakes. Yeah. And if, you know, if you're listening at home and that's a scenario you've recently gone through, it feels uncomfortable. You know, it feels like, oh, why is Road trying to take all of the excitement out of this? But we need that conversation. We need somebody to tell us those things. Um, not constantly, but it certainly, you know, how me and Ro had that conversation in a compressed way, in an organized way. The flip side of this, Ro, I guess, is because this is not to be confused with somebody being negative. And I think that's, Correct. that's a, well, well, Ro, you sound so negative about this partnership. Somebody wants to give Harm some money to build his portfolio. But what Ro is doing is talking about the real life scenarios to avoid those catastrophic mistakes. Yeah. Now, negative would be when you've got those people around you saying, oh, it's not going to work. Oh, you should avoid that person. And they're saying to this every single week. And they are only saying this to you because when it is catastrophic, they can just say, well, I told you so. I told you so that was going to happen rather than actually being a coach and mentor and actually having gone through it themselves. So, Ro, I think you was possibly saying a lot of those things to me from personal experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was really just to go away and think about it and reflect and discuss it. And had you thought of it? Some of them you had some of them were like, Oh yeah, that's a very good point. And that's always the challenge when somebody dangles, whether it's, I've got loads of time, I've got loads of experience. I've got loads of money. That's usually the three things that they're going to dangle in front of you. And that's a big carrot. I've got to weigh that carrot up against all the other factors, which we can come on to now if you want, which is the things I think you need to consider when choosing the right business partner. Yeah, let's do it. So now is the time if you're sitting here listening and you've got a notepad to take these notes down because this is the gold. So we've we've covered why this is important. Well, you know? I, yeah. hold on a minute. I think the gold we've already given them, this is like the, the, the icing on the gold. This is the, the icing of the gold. The rest, actually. the rest of it, if, that, if we've done our job, hopefully if anyone's really having doubts, it's probably solidified those doubts have gone right. Thanks, guys. So I think mm. there's as much value in what we've done as what we're about to give them. That's my mm. personal view. I think there's a few WhatsApp messages that have gone off saying, I think we need to assess this <laughs> partnership we're about to get into. So we've covered why this is important, period. We've also spoken about the common mistakes and Rose given you some of his personal scenarios, examples. He painted the dark side of business partnerships, but also we've given you the benefits because, you know, the reason businesses are often so successful is because they have some real partnerships who are the driving force. They can share the load, create more opportunities, leverage the time, the skills, the locations and all that amazing stuff. Now, let's give them a task list where they can almost have a checklist as such to consider what things to consider when choosing the right business partner. Yeah. Okay. So I've got eight things actually. And I made a little note of them before we came on to the call because I had a feeling that we're going to need to cover something like this. Mm -hmm. So I'll just elaborate on them because I've just got like a couple of points that I've made. So the first one, number one is, so I've just literally written down one or two words for each one. The first one is right. Everyone write this down is know what you want from this. I'm going to say that really slowly. Know what you want from this venture. If it's a business venture, what do you want from it? How does it look? How does it feel? And we've talked about this in the past, you know, visualizing. But forget everybody else. What do you personally want from this? Is it time? Do you want to win time back? Do you want to make more money? Do you want to raise your profile? Do you want to build a business that becomes an empire? 
do you want to create something that's going to go out and touch thousands, millions of lives around the world? What is it you personally want from this yourself? Because you've got to work back from that end point. And any coaching that I do with people always starts with the end point first. You may remember just recently we started the coaching with Kyle, who's mm. one of the members of the Growth Tribes. And you probably remember Harms, the call was about 45 minutes, a live coaching session. And basically I just wanted him to describe how it looked at the other end, the financial side of his life at the other end, not now, but at the end. And that's the same thing here in business. It's how do you want it to look? And so I want to add in there where is, is also it's OK to want it to look like a lifestyle business as well. Yeah, I think there's often, you know, there's there's a lot of push for 10xing. There's a lot of push for growth, True. growth, growth, have the biggest company, the biggest empire, make the most money. But actually, if you've got a couple of business partners or three or four of you and you're creating a lifestyle business because one, you want to be autonomous, you want to be your own bosses, you want to have that entrepreneurial feeling, you want to have a, a non-capped salary so you can continue to earn as much as you want to put in terms of input that equals the output there. So don't dismiss a lifestyle business that it's okay. I'll say it's okay to want to tend towards that as well when it yeah, comes to that's what you want. That's a great point. And it's also, and part of that, I guess, is then, and we talk about this more when we're doing coaching on this, but how do you want to feel? How do you want every day to feel? How do you want the life time you spend in the business? All of those things. I spoke to somebody just recently and they'd been to watch a speaker who does a lot of stuff with social media and markets and stuff, marketing themselves. And they were saying that this person just seemed, although they're very successful in what they do, they just seemed almost exhausted. It's like the business had taken over them and they built something so big now that it's very hard to be able to step away or have the time that you want for yourself so be mindful of if you're going to build something big how is that going to look for you in the future and how can you manage that around your family your kids and all of all the amazing things that you want for yourself on a personal level so it's not just about the success of the business it's the whole thing yeah which yeah is i'm just talking about lifestyle yeah i think personal branding approaches so personal branding youtube sensations some yeah. of the people I love on YouTube, they would produce one perfectly edited piece of video content every single day. And then, you know, five years later, they're doing an honest share to their channel and their, their subscribers saying that was hard and I don't think it was worth it, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. you know, it's just understanding exactly what Rose said. That's Number one, it's a lot of work and know yeah. what you want from this to start with. I know travel yeah. bloggers, travel vloggers who tried it and they said, nope, not for me. They look at these inspiring people, but you have to know what you want, what it to look like, what it to feel like. That's right for you. It doesn't have to be a competition yeah. against somebody else's dream. Number two is what are your values personally and professionally? So this is a big one for me. And again, I haven't got a lot of time to go into it now. If you go and have a read of Turning Point book, actually, which I wrote in 2011, there's a whole chapter on values alignment. And if you want to see something a little bit more visual, go into the Growth Tribes community, which maybe Harms can give you a link at the end of this. But within the Growth Tribes community, in the vault there, we have a whole series on basically how to align your values on a personal and a professional level. This is really important. Now, your values on a personal level should pretty much match your personal, your professional values. But it might be that your business is building a certain product or a service that you feel has to have a very core set of values and how it presents itself, how it operates, which should be essentially what you do on a personal level. But remember, we're talking about a business now. So if you don't know what I mean by value, you can value health, for example. So I want to be healthy. I want to feel healthy. That means I value health, integrity. I want to have integrity. I value integrity. 
I want the business to have integrity. So that would be another value. Another value might be, for example, great service. So you value you value service, you value being well serviced by the people and you want your business to have a business that offers great service to other people. So you would create a set of values and make sure, and if you haven't, when I say create, you already have them, but you may need to just double check your alignment of values, the hierarchy of your values and how you want that to show up on a professional level. Without that, I personally wouldn't even think about starting a business with somebody else. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Harms, but my experience has been over the years that people run into it. This goes back to the top of the equation. If I go back up to what we talked about earlier on, yeah, I value success. I value money. Okay, well, that's just one thing. And that's how people start off together. But of course, there's a whole bunch of other values that are not aligned. And that's where people get into trouble, which I'll come to in number three. Yeah, I would say that video series on values is a must I mean, it almost allows you to create a, such a strong foundation for your life. Yeah. And if just head over to the Growth Tribes meetup, we've got one coming up soon, depending on when you're listening to this. And the last time we did a values exercise, that's a good place to ask us these questions and value hierarchy exercises. That's what we did last time. It's a lot we of fun. We actually did it. It was such a big subject. We mm. did it. And, and that was great because people really, even people in the audience were like, oh my gosh, this is just this one exercise has shifted something I'm going to do now moving yeah. forward as of Monday with my business. And a lot of surprises on how it works and some f phenomenal, phenomenal. So, Ro, what's number three? So number three is establish the values of your business partner. So now you're clear on what you want. You set the ground rules. You know, you both come to the table. They should be doing the same. And if you're aligned, fantastic. And if you're not, brilliant. It means that you're not supposed to work together. Simple as that. Yeah, but they've got loads of money. I know that. But look at the values. You know, you value health, you value time with your family, you value contribution towards your customers, you value uh, success and all these other things. And they value most of those. But what if they're not aligned with the value of health? And what if they say, well, yeah, you know what, I'm I kind of broke up with my wife or my husband because I was always working really long hours. So to be honest with you, I love doing business. I just haven't got the time for the family right now. And you're going in and you're wanting to build the business to allow you a lifestyle to be connected with your family. There's going to be a tug of war there because mm. when push comes to shove and the hours need to be put in and you've already defined that you're not prepared to give up certain times away from your family. And they're like, what do you mean, man? Business got to succeed. You're a loser. And, all, and you, you'll hear all sorts of stressful conversations that kick off. That's really important. Also, their values around money. How do they value borrowing money from other people? That's a great one to write down. How do they value paying people back if money's owed, for example, on all these things? So you've got to be sure on your values before you can then find out what theirs are. And you're going to have to ask them. I'd go as far as to put them in a scenario. I'd say, mm. you know, how would you, so let's say Harmin has come into business and we could go and sell widgets to people. Harm, so what if one of our widgets doesn't work? What do you feel about that? Well, you know what? If they bought it, then that's their tough shit. We'll have a 14-day money-back guarantee period. And after that, that's their problem. What if they come back after three weeks and it's broken? Well, you know what? It's a 14-day money-back guarantee. After that, sorry. Now, if your values are, yeah, but they bought our product with the good intentions and it didn't work after three weeks, we've got to give them a refund. No, no, we've got to stick to our rules. Now, again, it sounds like an extreme example, but it's subtle things like this, that if you can put a scenario at somebody's table, how do you handle pressure? What if something happens to you? financially what if you decide you're fed up with the business how are we going to deal with that if you create those scenarios to start with and then you look at how they react to you you'll get a sense of their values i'm sorry i'm going off on a bit of a tangent but it's not really i'm trying to paint a bigger picture here no this is great Ro. and you know i would say even take it to some extreme scenarios yeah what if we lose our biggest clients yeah what if 
you know, we can't pay our staff? What if we can't pay our own salaries? Like all of these are critical questions. And often we just don't feel it or we won't know what's going to happen unless we're in the scenario itself. And then it's too late. Then it's, yes. then that's when the conflict arises. So I think, you know, go out for dinner, go out, you know, sit around a board meeting, have that's a right. coach or mentor to ask you these questions, yeah. prepare a list and have somebody objectively ask you these questions and jot down your responses so you can share without feeling like, you know, Rose mentioned it, somebody's more charismatic, somebody's a stronger character, somebody's more influential because this is, you know, we're humans. That's going to play out naturally. Yeah. Somebody's, you know, some, somebody's done communicating with impact so they can articulate themselves fantastically, but somebody who hasn't may, may be struggling to articulate what they need to say. So have somebody objectively just sit there and that's probably another way to do that if, if you're unsure on how to approach those some because some of the scenarios wrote do make you uncomfortable because when I you do. coached me i was thinking oh goodness i hadn't thought of that oh good oh goodness i haven't thought of that and you almost transport yourself there and you know immediately how you would feel in that scenario and it's yeah. like i don't want to be in that scenario so i paint the picture early yeah and, and again when you do that you sometimes see how people handle under stress because you can create a scenario that's a stressful one and, they, and you can see how they react to it that also ties, by the way, into their beliefs. And, you know, people's beliefs is another whole conversation altogether. If you, so again, I mean, going back to the Turning Point book, there's a chapter in there where I list out some typical examples of beliefs and, and limiting beliefs versus empowering beliefs. We have the same thing in the Growth Tribes Vault, where there's a whole series on this, on, on looking at your beliefs, identifying limiting beliefs, and then breaking through them. So that might be an exercise that you may need to do with your business partner prior to starting the business, just to make sure there's no potential blocks there on beliefs and values. So that kind of puts us into step four or question four or, or yes. item four, which is how do you want the business to conduct itself? So having established what their beliefs are and their values are and yours beliefs and certainly your values, then the question then is how do we want our business to conduct itself? How do we want to be perceived externally, internally how do we want our employees to feel about our business how do we want our customers to perceive our business do we want the business to you know have a certain message in which case what is that message so it's very much about i mean i, I spoke to somebody just the last couple of days and they've been to an experience with a seminar company and they said it was amazing you know from start to finish from the first point of contact to the day before the hotel address getting there getting my lanyard, going into the room, getting a student number. So if I lost something, I can say my student number is this. It was great. She had a really good experience. I think these are important things. It's how do you want your business? To, how does your widget company want to look on the outside? How does yeah. your flower shop company, how does your internet business want to look? How are you going to be remembered when you're not there, when people talk about your business? That's really number four. Four, fantastic. And I will just add another, you know, another word onto that, which is culture. How do you want the culture to grow yes, within your nice business word. and your community? Nice that's word. a that's a big topic to explore. I mean, that's not for this podcast because it's such a difficult thing to define. But I would say, what do you want your culture to be like? Because ultimately, if you have a bunch of raving fans off the back of your product, your service, your experience they're going to spread your culture that becomes your marketing material mm. so think about how the culture feels and looks and plays out amongst people so as an example where you know that the classic amazon story is jeff bezos in the early days wanted the lowest price product for the customers now the way to achieve that was not to have fancy offices and expensive overheads they would buy in doors, very low cost doors, attach legs to those, and those would become computer desks for the employees. Now, that is living your culture. 
because you wanted the, it was phenomenal and and That's this is great. why you know people look at jeff bezos now he's buying he owns half of america land i believe in the usa how he's buying up land but it started with that kind of culture how do you produce something low cost for the client well, we've got to live low cost. We've got to operate low cost. And that's yeah. how the culture starts to spread. That's an example, but that's something to bear example. in mind. Yeah. And I, I like that because that kind of crosses over into number five, which is how do you want to communicate between mm-hmm. yourselves? And that is definitely a cultural thing. So I know we talk a lot about communicating with impact and what we do, but ultimately, it, it's, is it telephone, phone calls, face-to-face, WhatsApp, combination of all those things? And how do you want that communication culture to be? Is it honest and open? Is it slightly more hidden and you kind of only cover certain agendas? So be clear on what the line of communication is and say it up front. So, you know, you and I from the start, when we started doing business together, it's like, okay, just tell me straight what you need me to do. And and sometimes you, if you read a message between Hamander and I, it might appear to be rude on the outside because it's just a direct message, but it's not. It's just want this doing or I need this doing or can you do this or I'll do this no problem it's straight communication but some people might misunderstand that so really make sure that you understand the personalities the people that are within the business if they're business partners how do they best want to be communicated with when I'm doing mentoring or coaching I mean what we're doing here these eight points this could easily constitute a one to two hour coaching session with somebody starting off a business yeah before I start that coaching session my first question I think I asked it to you guys when I sat down with B Street is right how do you want me to communicate with you do you want me to be gentle? Do you want me to be creative, you know, colourful? Do you want me to tell stories? Do you want me to be direct? Can I be brutally honest? I think all of you just said brutally honest. <laughs> yeah. But some people don't feel comfortable with that. So that's another thing as well is make sure that everybody, if they say they want honesty, they can handle the honesty as well. If you're listening at home and you're trying to picture a scenario here, imagine, you know, this used to happen to a lot in the workplace. I used to f- see employees go crazy around me. You would receive an email and it appears blunt, it appears rude, yes. it appears short, it appears candid. And you're like, oh, how dare they send an email like that to me? How dare she say that to me? Or or how dare she? all that comes out. And then when they phone you or you pick up the phone to them, they're pleasant. They're so polite. They're lovely. It's just the way you was communicating within that organization or within the partners just wasn't clarified in advance. You know, True. you can set the and emails, rules. You know, you can't read mm. tonality in emails. That's another yes. thing. Yes. Tonality, story. yes. Text and, and emails. Number six, there's six, seven, and eight. So just wrap these up. Number six would be how will issues get resolved? So be clear on that. You know, start the business with a very clear picture. How are we going to do conflict resolution? Are we going to meet on board meetings when something comes up? How do we communicate that? Is it an email? Is it a text that we just heard there? Is it a phone call? What is our way that we are going to resolve issues that come up? And be clear on that and make sure you follow the same procedure on a regular basis as opposed to ad hoc. I mean, sometimes you can do stuff very quickly, but slightly larger issues need to be resolved in a formal way. So so everybody's honest and open about that. Mm. Number seven, create an environment that allows the pressure not to build up. And I guess that goes back to number five, which is communication. So think of a business like a pressure cooker. There's always going to be stuff that kicks off. There's always going to be an issue with a client, a customer, a business partner, you know, one of your creditors that you owe money to or one of your suppliers. That's just the nature of business. If you allow the heat to build up in that pressure cooker and you don't release that, that's when the pressure really gets to a point where people explode. So how are you going to do that? And this goes back to issues being resolved, but it also comes down to the environment that you develop. So make it something that's open, create an environment where everybody talks in a relaxed way about challenges that they're facing so that 
no one person feels they're having to hide something or keep something away from the other business partners or just being afraid to speak out because that's when the unconscious pressure builds up. And then at some point, bang, somebody flips. Oh, I didn't know that was going on. Why didn't you tell me? And it's too late now. So yeah. that's a bit, I mean, I think you do that very well within your business. We do. And if I was to reference somewhere or somebody who almost helped orientate this, this is a book called High Output Management, which I use when I used to manage a team of 35, 40 people and extremely difficult to grasp. But meeting your key people or meeting, you know, your your superstars or meeting the most important people to you within that particular project or that business and including your business partners on a weekly basis, having that conversation with them on a weekly basis. Mm. So you can vent, you can have a download and then you can get back to business, you can get back to work. Otherwise, you know, just imagine yourself when you're frustrated about something and it just lingers and it's just there. It's just there and it's just there. And as much as you want it to go away, it just doesn't go away until you have the conversation with the person. Now, the earlier you have it, the less, you know, like Rose said, it's less pressure gets released. But if you have it at the end, it's almost a catastrophic argument. And that's what, what we want you to avoid. So I think agree, just communicate effectively, have a process in place if you want to get logical about it. But agree that just don't let the pressure build up. And a good book reference there. Maybe we can get that in the notes afterwards. Hi, yeah, well, then, yes. Last thing really is just be clear on the company's business visions and ethics. Now that goes back to the start is what you want from this. But remember what you want from this really may be different to what the business is doing. So ultimately the business has to create a revenue, create a customer service and all these things that, that you're going to build but to fit into your vision. So your business has to have a vision, it has ethics, they need to be written down somewhere so that everyone knows this is who we are, this is what we stand for, this is what we want to deliver to our customers, and this is why we're doing it. And everyone has to buy into that. Everyone has to align with that. If your employees are not aligned with the company's ethics and vision and values, or your business partners aren't, then it's not worth bringing those people into the business because ultimately what will happen is at some point in the future, someone will say, yeah, but I didn't really want to do this. Or I never really felt that was the right way we should go. Well, okay, why are you done with that at the beginning? You know, we're about to steer our car and we're going in this direction. What you don't want to do is get 50 miles down the road and have the person that sat in the driving seat with you say, I didn't really think we should go this way to start with, but I didn't want to say anything at the start. <laughs> so that map, if you like, which is really your ethics, your vision and your values. If you can get those captured really early, if anyone has a challenge with it, they can state it early. Or if anybody wants to tweak it, can I add this in there? Can we just put that in there as well just to make that make me feel a lot better? Absolutely. That still aligns with what we're going to do. And that's a great starting point. Again, not often done. And I think for a lot of people, they think it's kind of woo-woo stuff. We don't need to do that. Let's just go off and make money. Let's go and make money. Let's go and get some customers. Let's make yeah. some widgets. And then, uh, and then you put your foot down and you're 50 miles down the road and you go in the wrong direction. Yeah, and that wrong direction means money spent, money invested, time spent, time away from your families, time you could have been doing stuff that you really wanted to do. That is just being off course, wrong direction. And if you're in a Tesla row, you can go quite a long way before you even realize what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So on that note, I think that's a phenomenal, like what to consider when choosing the right business partner. Rose downloaded eight amazing points there and i will get that up onto the show notes growthtribes.com forward slash podcast Ro, is there any final things we should leave the listeners with because i think it's been a phenomenal podcast and hopefully we help 
people avoid a lot of pain and allow a lot of pleasure from the success of whatever fruitful business partnership they form. And hopefully we've had a small part to play in that. Now, I think, think that last eight points is great because it kind of gives them a tool to go away with and start to apply. The one thing that wraps around all of this, follow your gut instincts, go with your intuition. And that can sometimes be clouded by what we talked about earlier on, which is chasing the passion, chasing the money, etc. But and this is about realigning. This is why when we do the communications workshop that I run, the, the, the intensive three-day intensive seminar, when we go through the process with people, one of the things we do is to get them to really look inside, become present with themselves so that they can connect with the other person. And you've got to tune into that intuition. If something doesn't quite feel right, if you're listening to a guitar and it's just fractionally out one of the strings, you'll hear it. It's the same thing here. And allow that intuition to speak to you. And at which point it's okay to press pause. It's okay to say, can we just go away and think about this? Or I just need to go and reflect. You don't have to make a decision at that point. That would be the only other major thing that we haven't covered, which I think is a nice way to finish off, which is follow your instincts, follow your gut, and then apply a, a process to that as well. And usually I find that when you do that and you apply the values process, that's when the truth comes out. That's amazing. So we will wrap up on that note. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. As always, everything we put here will be on the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. That's myself and Rose signing out. We'll see you on the next episode. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, you can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast. Podcast.